You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, brainy, bodacious, baffle, bright bulbs. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 84, and I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your... Hydrox munching, high sea drinking, high faluters, high speeding through that information highway. Wow. Nice I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. We decided to call our fans. We, we, it wasn't a official contest, but we were kind of asking uh, people, our community, what should we call our fan club members? And uh, mm-hmm. we decided on lobe trotters. Lobe trotters. <laughs> lobe trotters. Like brain lobe. Mm-hmm. Or earlobe. Right. Or earlobe. Podcast. Mm. Uh, and we will be offering official lobe trotter fan club membership goodies, uh, packages filled with personalized cool stuff in our merchandise <laughs> store. Charter membership. You actually mm-hmm. said that, Colin. You called it charter. Nice. Charter membership. Yeah, it makes it just sound a lot fancier, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. We only have 250 of these available, mm-hmm. so uh, don't forget to check them out once the merchandise store is open on November 1st. Lobetrotter merchandise carries no benefits. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot be exchanged for cash. <laughs> will cause dizziness and anal leak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gastric distress. <laughs> Side effects include coughing, anal leakage, and death. Speaking of community, uh, I just want to share a quick trivia tidbit that Alexander Carr wrote in, emailed us. And I didn't know this. Do you guys know Pixel? The word Pixel is a portmanteau word. Oh, yeah, word. yeah. I didn't know that. Picture element. Yes. Did you guys know that? I did. Am I? Oh, okay. I heard that once and forgot it. So. Oh, okay. No! <laughs> <laughs> and a voxel is yes. the 3D I, version of I a know. pixel. Yeah. Oh. Volumetric pixel, right? Voxel. I put a portmanteau in your portmanteau. <laughs> yeah. Both very high-scoring Scrabble words. Oh, true. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I just have a quick headline to share with you guys. It's, I can't believe someone published this in the news. Um, the New Scientist reports that finally experts, specifically at the Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta, have established that mammals, big and small, empty their bladders at about the same speed. And this is oh. known as... Equilibrium. <laughs> Equilibrium. Oh, that's good. You should write them a letter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's about... So each animal, uh, they, they measured pee time of, of rats, dogs, elephants, goats, cows, and I'm assuming humans... Um, and they came up with a law of urination that each animal takes about 21 seconds. And you might think, well, wouldn't bigger animals pee longer? Well, actually, like elephants, they empty their bladders at the same speed as smaller mammals because of gravity mm-hmm. pulls their urine through their system. Huh. And smaller animals, on the other hand, they have shorter pee canals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Urethra? Less, yeah, and, and less gravitational pull, but their bladders are smaller. Hmm. So it all kind of it all evens scales out. out. Yeah, That's great. Someone's getting a PhD based on this research. And, and no. the, the article the article ends with, the study's lead author hopes, hopes the finding will 
help diagnose urinary problems in large animals and possibly inspire designs for water towers. Yeah. <laughs> water leaving. Oh, okay. hydrodynamics. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Law of urination. 21 seconds. Next time you go pee, <laughs> mm-hmm. see if you're yeah. a mammal. Yeah. This is how you can find out if you're a mammal or not. <laughs> please, <laughs> please do not send us videos. No. Yeah. No. Just, you can just report back to us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we're going to get all these reports about people peeing. Like, yeah. I took 45 seconds. I don't know. <laughs> right. That, oh, that'd be an interesting project. Yeah. We'll just be put in the comments. No, 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 no. Let's not. All right. Uh, Without further ado, let's uh, jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Mm -hmm. Everybody get your buzzers ready. I chose a random trivia pursuit card from the box. And here we go. Blue Wedge for Geography. What Florida community was developed and designed by the Walt Disney Company? Hmm. Wait. Dana. Was it Orlando? Orlando? Incorrect. Hmm. Florida community was developed and designed by the Walt Disney Company. City slash community. It's not Epcot, is it? That that is a community. Okay. What is it? It is Celebration. Celebration. Yes. Of the city or town. And I believe like a couple years ago had its first murder case. It was like a big deal. Okay, you, right, right. That um that Versailles, like huge, huge mansion. They wanted to make the biggest mansion in the world. I think it oh. was around there. Oh, okay, yeah, like oh. the, yeah. the Queen of Versailles, right? Yeah, or, yeah. that's a huh. great documentary, by the way. All right, Pink Wedge uh, for pop culture. Name three of the five supermodels in George Michael's Freedom video. Oh. <laughs> well, we can do it together. Okay, we can do it together. Linda Evangelista. Lind- yeah. Correct. Um, Christy Turlington. Yes. Claudia Schiffer? No, Cindy Crawford. Yes. Okay, well, and uh, there was Helena... There's uh, Naomi Campbell okay. Oh, okay. and Tatiana Petitz. Oh. oh. I cannot even believe that you guys knew that. <laughs> that was a good video. Oh, they're all lip-syncing to his songs. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, Yellow Wedge, who traveled to North Korea in 2009 to secure the release of two American journalists? <laughs> Bam! Bill, Bill Clinton. Clinton. William Jefferson Clinton. Clinton. Mm-hmm. Clinton. Getting things done. Yep. All right. Purple Wedge. What is the name of the Wizarding World's daily newspaper in the Harry Potter books and films? All right. Okay. All right. The the Daily Prophet. Correct. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to cut off the question. I just thought it just you know the end. The Wizarding World's daily newspaper. Green Wedge for science. What winged insect has been known to migrate up to eighteen hundred miles? Winged wow. insects? Specifically. Huh. Migrate. Uh, uh, bees? No. Mosquitoes? No. You all know this, Dana, because uh, it is a character from the Venture Brothers. <laughs> oh, a butterfly. Monarch, Monarch butterfly. butterfly. Oh. That's, a long, that's a long way to travel. All right, last question. Orange Wedge. What virtual pets, quote, return to its home planet... Often upset child owners. Oh, I, I believe it's Tamagotchi. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. And the, the card specifically uh, yeah. says, if not properly cared for, the cyber pet virtually dies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it becomes a little angel. Yeah. Well, they all die. You cannot, you cannot, you could not keep the Tamagotchi alive forever. It eventually died. It was just how long. Yeah. How negligent were you? Yeah. yeah. How, how complicit no, it got, it were got, you in its death? It got very difficult to keep those things alive. They would, they would get to the point where you would need to like constantly be taking care of them. All right. Good job, brains. 
Well, I hate to bear some bad news to the team here. Uh, I don't know. You guys may have seen this. Uh, in the past week, Hans Regal passed away. Oh, Haribo! Haribo, yes. Uh, I that think was, uh, we talked about one of the episodes. Many episodes ago, I'm, yes. I'm surprised that he was still alive. He <laughs> was at, at the uh, ripe old age of 90 years oh, old. Wow. Uh, yes. And, of course, Taryn, I think the question that you asked us many episodes ago was where the name Haribo came from. Mm-hmm. It was a combination of Hans Regal from Bonn. So he combined... Germany. Yes, that's right. Haribo. Yes, huh. the creator of Gummy Bears. And, and other gummy delights. Yeah, I mean, but that's yeah. really all. I mean, you can pretty well hang your hat on Gummy Bears. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, a fantastic contribution to the world of candy. Will he be in a gummy casket? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a little gruesome. <laughs> oh, no, I think it'd be so... Oh. You could see him through the casket. <laughs> it's kind of wavy, though. Attracted more bugs, so he'll return to the earth faster. <laughs> that's so dark. Uh, here's a little bit of a, a trivia bit I learned in reading uh, news coverage of his death. Uh, apparently, they were initially made of licorice, the, the gummy bears, before they oh. switched over oh. to the... Before they realized, yeah. before they realized that those were really gross. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Oh. It is sad. It, it is, is sad. Very sad. Yes, the father of gummies. The father of gummy bears. A lasting oh. legacy. And uh, speaking of gummies and candies, it is almost Halloween time. Well, actually, this week is actually the week of Halloween. And so uh, for this episode, we decide to talk about things that are spooky, scary, and Halloween related. So spooky. <laughs> and and no, ladies and gentlemen, that wasn't the theremin. That was my own voice. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. So you guys had a uh, little bit of your own musical intro to my musical intro here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me just play a, a short bit of this audio segment for you here. Yes, it is, of course, the theremin. Uh, <laughs> as you uh, uh, were directly, not even alluding, <laughs> as you were like, directly yeah. referencing. right on what you were going to do. Yes, it but it's, it's great, because we all, this shows you, listeners, we all think alike. We're on the same yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes, uh, all of these spooky ooh-ooh sounds <laughs> are, are all made by an instrument known as the theremin. For you TV fans out there, that was the uh, opening theme song from the Dark Shadows TV show, of course. Oh, yes. Yes, about spooky vampires and all kinds of spookiness. I had no idea that sound was made by a theremin until you guys... I thought you were joking, and I was like, oh, because I know what a theremin looks like. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was kind of a, a weird thing. I didn't think it was used in Oh, yeah, uh, no, I mean, it's... This is the source of the... Ooh. That is where it comes from. That's right, that's right. And, it, you know, it sort of, it did have a, a bit of a, a resurgence in the 60s, 70s, so you, yes. you will kind of hear it in, you know, TV shows and movies and things like that from that era. So, aside from its distinctive spooky sound, mm. uh, can, can you guys tell me what... What sets the theremin apart from other instruments? What makes it unique among modern musical instruments? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's it is an entirely um, electronical musical instrument. It was not like you have the electric guitar, which was electrical, and you know, it's a piece of electronics. You're, you're and there, there part is no, of the way there. There is no such thing as an acoustic theremin. There's no That's such true. thing as an unplugged yeah. theremin. That's true. You're part yeah. of the way there. You're part of the way is there. There are other the musician electronic... does not have to touch anything. Yes, okay. right. the well, theremin is played entirely. 
entirely without contact, yeah. which makes it unique among musical instruments. And so if you guys have never actually seen a theremin before, uh, it's, it's a very odd looking device. You know, it's a little box essentially. And it's got mm-hmm. a, a metal loop coming out of one side and it's got a sort of a more antenna looking piece of metal coming off the other. And to play a theremin, you, you turn it on and you essentially kind of move your hands around the coil and the antenna. Mm-hmm. And what this does is it modulates the volume and it, and it changes the pitch of the woo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why you don't hear a lot of like really complex like songs, melodies being yeah. played. Yeah, yeah, you hear like snippets of noises and 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 notes that are sliding up and down. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Because there's no there's no quiet parts for it. That's right. You can control the volume and the pitch. That's but right. There's no rests. As they say, there's a quote about the theremin. You have to play the rests as well as the notes. Ah, yes, yeah. and you yeah, do. Yeah. So it all sort of has that loopy, uh, flowy quality mm-hmm. to it. It generates sound based essentially on how close your hands are to the coil and the antenna. Uh, It is, in fact, named after its inventor. Uh, There was a young Russian physicist born Lev Terman, and his name is anglicized uh, once as Leon Theremin. This is one of those things that I love because it's a discovery that came out of another discovery. So I mentioned he was a physicist. He was also an inventor. He he worked a lot with electronics. In 1920, he was developing uh, motion detectors. So like proximity Uh, sensors. And so he came up with the device. Uh, I'm not going to get too into the science of it because frankly, I don't understand all of it, but it's a radio oscillator and it changes feedback based on how close it is to, to objects that interrupt the field. And it didn't put out sound at first. Like that was sort of a later addition to the basic device. The basic device just Mm -hmm. measured movement and proximity. And it was only after he attached an audio output to it. Oh, it made a sound. That he noticed, whoa, this is kind of weird. He noticed like as he moved his hand further, he could kind of change the pitch and almost play it like an instrument. Mm-hmm. And he he flipped out. He loved yeah. it. He loved I couldn't it. imagine his wife. Uh-huh. I've heard. Like, I'm making music. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure you are. Sure you are, honey. That's music. Cool. It was. It totally was. He loved it. He, he was like, it was one of those like, hey, guys, come check this out moment. Like, he yeah. showed it off to his colleagues. He showed it off to his wife. I'm sure to everybody. And he really got focused on developing it as a full Fledged instrument. instrument, and and yeah. that's what he did. And in fact, like within a year, he had made some modifications to the device and was really focusing on developing the theremin as an as an instrument. He would play it. He wrote music for it. He would perform it. He called the device the Etherphone, which oh, is yeah, kind of okay. you know playing ether, yeah. yeah music sound ether. Would you guys like to hear a little clip of him performing sure. uh, yeah. re- real quote real music on the theremin? Sure. Yeah, not just. Sure. <laughs> Good actually does sound like real music it does no. so that is leon theremin playing his own device it almost sounds like like a lady crying and singing <laughs> and humming, you know? it's very russian it, you know what you're right you're so right karen like if, if you told me a russian wrote that i'm like yep oh yeah i'll buy that yep but if you close your eyes it's like it's like like just a little yeah. lady like crying right, it's right, very right. mournful you're yeah. right it really is but which i can see where 
the uliu sounds like people sound. Yeah, it yeah. Like voices. It, yeah, you're right. It, it really does. So, I mean, he was just devoted. He went all out to trying to spread, you know, like, hey, guys, look, look what I made. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was touring Europe throughout the 20s, and it was sort of like part musical performance, part technology demonstration. I mean, it was like magic. I mean, you know, even now you yeah. watch someone performing on a theremin, and it, it really is is very ethereal and magical. Yeah. Um, what, what, what was the time period again on this? So this was the 1920s. Okay. So he invented it in 1920. Uh, he came to the U.S. Uh, 1928 was a big year. He performed with the New York Philharmonic. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, this was, a, you know, a, was, no one had ever seen anything like this before. Uh, that was also the year that he patented the device. He basically granted production rights to RCA. And sure enough, RCA introduced the theremin box, which eventually was just shortened to the theremin uh, in 1928. And, you know, it was a niche, it was a niche instrument, let's say. You know, throughout the 30s, 40s, there, there were some musicians who would write and perform, you know, serious music for it. But it, it really did kind of end up as just sort of an avant-garde, experimentalist kind of kind of niche thing until it was used in several movies. Oh. So, and this is really kind of the birth of it as sort of the spooky soundtrack device. You know, they point to a couple uh, really prominent uses of it. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock used it in Spellbound. Uh, it was also, of course, in The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm. He used two, two theremins in the soundtrack. Oh. And that was where it sort of started getting cemented as sort of creepy, outer spacey sound. A lot of the movies from the 50s and the 60s would use it. You know, a lot of people think that the uh, the opening theme song to Star Trek, the original TV, though. Oh. Yeah. That's actually just someone singing. It's okay. not a theremin, but often confused for... Sounds like crying a crying lady. crying lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was looking on the app store to see if there's any like theremin apps. Because oh. I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if you had two iPhones yeah. and you can simulate mm. you know, playing a theremin? Uh-huh. There yeah. isn't anything like that. Oh. I'm surprised that there um, isn't. Yeah, but you have to hook up the Bluetooth and figure yeah, out the distance. Yeah, but that, that, that'd, be, that'd be interesting. interesting. So you don't have to have like an actual box and the antenna you just kind of... Yeah, just two iPhones. Yeah, so. yeah. Technically, the theremin is a heterodyning oscillator. Oh, You're a sexy. heterodyning oscillator. Yeah. Oh. You want to come back and check out my heterodyning oscillator? Yeah. No, 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 I don't. No. I really don't. Get out. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, I mean, it's a theremin. Okay, well, then I really don't. <laughs> So Halloween's coming up, and it's a great time to get dressed up in costumes. Recently, uh, Spirit, the Halloween superstore, made an infographic, and they showed for the last 30 years what the most popular pop cultural costumes were. And so I prepared a quiz based on all 30 years of pop cultural. That's great. Oh, that's great. All right. So I'm going (laughs) to... I'll tell you the year, and I'll give you a kind of a hint about what it could be about, the wow, okay. cultural thing. So this and is you like me, removing like witches and ghosts or... Yeah, it's it's like this is a specific costume. character Got from it. that year oh, okay. that was the bestseller. Okay. 1983. This movie featuring a famous costume came out in 1983. It's still one of their more popular costumes. It was a sci-fi movie. Oh. Karen. Is it Carrie? No. Oh! So funny. No. Three, one of the more popular costumes. I think Return of the Jedi was eighty-two. Slave Leia. Yes. Oh, 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 right. That's great. Yeah, that's great. You know, for kids. For kids. For kids. Nineteen eighty-four. This character first appeared in a nineteen eighty-four horror classic. This was the same year. This. Oh, uh, uh, Jason. The Jason mask. Is this Mm. Michael Myers? 
No. Oh. Is this oh, Carrie? Oh. oh. Oh, Freddy, Freddy Krueger! Freddy Krueger! Oh, Freddy Krueger! Just process of elimination. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Is it Carrie? Carrie. <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> no, Carrie. The, the reason why I said Carrie was funny is because it's Carrie Fisher's gold bikini. Oh. I was like, I was like, ah, not, not. Yes, it is a Carrie. But, yeah. Yeah. A Carrie. 1985 WWE wrestler costume was very popular. <laughs> Karen. Hulk Hogan. Yes. Yeah. 86. The original character was created by American Greetings in 1981. <laughs> Uh, is a uh, um, Care Bears right? Or? Strawberry. Oh, the Care Bears. Care Bears. Oh, Care Bears. Oh, As a strawberry cost- shortcake. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's yeah. Hallmark. No, it's still American. No, it's still Greetings. American. Greetings. Oh, yeah. All right. 1987. This best-selling book character became a pop culture icon. In 1987. Best-selling book character. <laughs> I guess it's a children's book. It's a book series. Mm-hmm. It's a guy, a, a male character. There are people who still wear this costume. Well, I'm sure it still pops up. Where's Waldo? Yes. Yes. Wow. 87. That's great. Good call. Ah. Yeah. Uh, 88. This character from film and TV was created by Cassandra Peterson and well known for her wickedly vampish appearance. Oh. Oh. That's Elvira. Elvira. Mistress of the Dark. Yes. 1989. Characters from this movie franchise appear four times on this list. Oh. It must be Star Wars. That's no. a little bit late for Star Batman. Wars. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Right, Which I had was... so many resurgences and, and yeah. remakes. Yes. 1990. This children's TV cartoon was turned into a live action movie in 1990. Karen. He-Man. No. No, it was earlier than that. Children's cartoon turned into a... Oh. Teenage Mutant Yes. Uh, 91. This character didn't become the most popular costume until he appeared in the sequel. The sequel came out in 91. 91. Nah, no. <laughs> Pass. 91. This is a male costume or female costume? A male costume. costume. It's a futuristic costume. And 1991 was when a movie sequel came out? Uh-huh. It's know. The Terminator. Oh, the, oh of course. Oh. Yes. Terminator yeah, 2 yeah, Judgment yeah. Day came uh, out in 91. Right. Came very popular. Yeah. Okay. 1992, another character from the Batman franchise. <laughs> Chris. I'm going to say Catwoman. Yes. Because yes. Yes. that's when Batman returns. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 93, this children's performer, well known for his appearance and very catchy song. Oh. Barney. Yes. Yeah. Barney oh, the geez. Dinosaur. 93, Barney. That was the most popular costume in the... Wow. Uh-huh. I bet there must have been a lot of variation. Parents dressing yeah. up for kids' parties. And <laughs> yeah. 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 94, uh, this costume was for a long-running American entertainment and merchandising franchise. Built around a live-action children's television series. Oh, well, is this this is the Power Rangers? Yeah. Oh. Right. Mm, oh, good yeah. technicality. Yes. Like, like, yeah. Because it's a already existing show before yep. the Power Rangers. Also, yep. like, I'm noticing, like, like the Power Rangers, the Ninja Turtles, the Care Bears, like, they also benefit from multiple yeah, costumes costume. you can choose from. Oh, yeah. 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 You yeah, can yeah, personalize yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So, Five yeah. kids can go and buy different costumes. Yeah. Boys group. and girls. Yeah. yeah. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. 1995. This costume became popular the same year the decades-long franchise started a new chapter. Oh, 1995, mm-hmm. the same year Something the decades-long franchise started a new chapter. Not like James Bond or something. Oh. But that's such a boring costume. That Could wouldn't be. be. It was it? Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek. Next Generation? Yeah. No, no. Oh. it was Star Trek Voyager came out that year. Oh, interesting. But I, I was like, why was that the most popular costume in 95? Huh. I don't huh. know. 96, another costume from a horror movie franchise that came out in 96. Oh. I mean, for this one, I'll go Jason. No. No. Uh, Texas Chainsaw. No. 
You guys are going to kick yourselves. People still wear this. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's the a scream, scream, scream. Yeah, at the same time. Okay. That's like, in, you know, like in my mind, that's the lazy person's costume uh-huh. these days, you know? <laughs> okay, 1997, another Batman costume. and it's But it's a pair this time. A pair? Yeah. Oh. What is it, Batman and Robin? Yep. Mm, okay. Okay. All right. Why is it a... How can... How does that work? Because no one wants to go as just Robin, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Robin. All right, 98. This costume must have been pretty straightforward and maybe reusable. It was just like a parka and maybe some mittens. Oh, parka. And I was going to guess like the Unabomber, but no. that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's not really no. popular culture. Yeah. <laughs> 98. A parka and some mittens in 1998. Yeah. Kimmy from South Park. Oh! Yeah. oh God. Oh, my God. We're horrible. All right, Karen, this seems is so obvious in retrospect. Yeah, I know, but we're like, why? Like how the obvious one was Unabomber, which no one will sell. Here we go. We're going to lightning round. We're okay. going to do this. All right. Okay. 99. This character was based on characters from a sci-fi action film that came out this year. Oh, uh, oh The Matrix? Matrix. The Matrix. Ah. 2000. This costume became popular the same year the second movie in this comedy franchise came out. Uh, uh, Austin Powers? Yes, Austin Powers. Wow. 2001. This costume is based on a SNL sketch. Karen. Wayne. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, the cheerleaders. Yes. Will Ferrell and... Really? Yeah. Yes. Cherry O'Terry. Really? Yes. That, the wow. Spartans. The, I was shocked by that one. I am I still see, stunned oh, by oh, that. Oops. I still see that costume, like, in stores. Oh. They still sell it. I would have never guessed that. 2001. Another superhero costume was the top seller. 2001. Uh, Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Oh, gosh. 2003. This was a year that a major Disney star was born. Major Disney. Oh. Jack Sparrow. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh. 2004, this popular children's show character became a top-selling costume. DJ Lance from Yo Gabba Gabba? No. Dora the Explorer? No. Oh. Tinky Winky the Teletubby. No. This this character has a sprawling merchandising oh, franchise. Wow. SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh. All right, we're almost there. 2005, uh, the resurgence of popularity for this sci-fi costume probably has to do with the release of the third movie in the series. Let's see, there's Star Wars or Star Trek, right? Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, so let's oh, see, okay. 2005, just, I don't know, Jedi or Darth Vader? It, they just said Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. Oh, okay. They, yeah. oh, okay. Um, 2006, a politician mask became the most popular. 2006. 2006. George Bush? No. What? Hillary Clinton? No. Mm, I'm out of guesses, though. This is strange. The most popular thing was in 2006. I mean, the middle of the Bush second term. Mm-hmm. Chris? No, no, no. It's, I was going to say Sarah Palin, but that's no. not. No. What, what is it? Barack Obama. Uh, in 2006. Uh, yeah. He was a candidate, but he captured the uh, imagination of wow. the nation, I guess. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 2007. This is the second time this costume became most popular. Batman. No. Another superhero. Though. Oh. <laughs> Spider-Man? Spider-Man. All right. 2008. Another character from the Batman series. Oh. It's got to be. Is this uh, the Riddler? No. No, no Joker. 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 Scary Joker. All right. Yeah. 2009. We're creeping to present day. This Halloween classic got a resurgence thanks to a popular book series. Vampire? Yes. Oh, oh just, just vampire. Vampires became <laughs> okay. really popular. 2010, this is the first time a musician was the most popular costume. 
Lady Gaga. Yes. Oh. 2011. These costumes were based on realish people. Realish people? Real-ish. Real-ish. Karen? Snooki and Jay Wow from Jersey Shore. Snooki and Holly D. No. Oh, situation. Oh, situation. That's situation. Oh, God. I'm like, oh, the scenario. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the scenario. I wish that was his name. The situation. The scenario. You're so old, Colin. The circumstance. The involvement. Oh, what is it? Yes. 2012. More superheroes. Avengers. Yes. Oh. 2013. Guess. What do you guys think? So far. Ooh, projected. What do you think it's going to be? Uh, uh, I'm yeah. going to say a majority of people are going to go as Miley Cyrus. Mm. That is the costume. Oh! oh. They saw the, oh. the twerking bear. Oh. Good job. Good job, Karen. You are finger on the pulse of popular <laughs> yeah. culture. Yeah, I am, huh? Yeah. The naked, gyrating pulse of popular yeah. culture. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was really interesting. Eye-opening. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. You're listening to Good Job Brain. Smooth puzzles. Smart trivia. Good Job Brain. So a while ago, I shared this on the Good Job Brain social media channels, and it's this excellent article on Boing Boing. Halloween's coming up and there's also, you know, The Walking Dead and all this zombie stuff. So Boing Boing had this article and basically it was a naturalist by the name of David Majewski uh, from the National Wildlife Federation. And I just want to say, like, this is this is a hypothetical situation, right? This whole article is like asks you to suspend disbelief and put aside whatever, you know, theories there are and just deal with zombies as reanimated dead, Mm -hmm. right? Living dead. Okay. And this article basically breaks down how Mother Nature 
will kick zombie butt <laughs> if uh-huh. zombies were to happen. Rest assured, humans, don't worry about it. Mother Nature will take care of zombies in the most brutal ways. How? Um, so, for example, I mean, zombies as reanimated dead is basically just walking carrion, mm. right? So first you have all of your birds, all mm. of your scavenger birds who are oh. super strong and super ruthless like condors, vultures, mm. uh, ravens, and crows. They will swoop down and rip oh, parts yeah, of them open, yeah. right? And this is also the belief that to in order to get rid of a zombie or to, quote, kill a zombie, you dismember them. Into mm. different pieces. And then also mauling animals like bears and wolves and hyenas oh, will yeah. basically like a dismemberment crew. They just kind of <laughs> claw you and rip you and you as a zombie would be ripped into many, many pieces. And the, the article states that ironically it would be the venomous rattlesnakes that would be at the most risk from a zombie attack. Because, quote, when camouflage fails them, their survival tactic is to draw attention to themselves with a loud rattle, hold their ground, and then strike and bite the bite the predator and insert snake venom. Right. Zombies don't have living tissue, so venom does nothing. Uh, venom does absolutely nothing. There's no blood to circulate. There's no blood. There's no... There's no uh, yeah. So zombies would probably eat snakes. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, you have all your hosts of bacteria and microscopic animals that break down and decompose mm-hmm. from there, right? So the article is very interesting. You're like, oh, okay, rest assured. Oh, I can go to sleep at night because now I'm not worried about zombie attacks because Mother Nature will take care of it. I, I'm taking it a step further. After reading this article, I was like, well, what happens when the zombie population gets pretty much killed by Mother Nature? Well, of course, all these animals are going to get a boost in, in population because they're getting food. Right. So my theory is a zombie attack is probably less scary than what happens to the world after the zombie attack. Oh, right. Because then you have overpopulation problems of mm. all of these predators and scavenger mm. animals mm-hmm. growing and, and running around everywhere. So what happens when you have a vulture overpopulation? They screw up power lines. They damage cars and homes. Actually, in Florida, there is a vulture overpopulation problem. And they do crazy things. They would rip off windshield wipers Whoa. from cars. They rip oh, open sunroofs. <laughs> And yeah, thinking uh, it's like a giant dead animal. <laughs> the, the Florida's Everglades National Park, the officials, they use water guns and laser lights and noisemakers to try to scare them off. Oh, wow. And their poop destroys <laughs> some of the environments and um. they can reduce like fish population. And then, okay, well, what about some of the mammals that in the article that talked about, you know, with maul the zombies? They will raid your home and food storage and crops and kill people and kill livestock. So mm-hmm. when you have an overpopulation of that, you're, you're in trouble too. So I just want to say, this was a great article, but it just made me think zombie attacks aren't scary. It's animal <laughs> attacks after zombie attacks right. will be the actual scary thing. Yeesh. Man. I never thought about it, about it. The birds. Yeah. You don't oh, you don't see that when you watch Walking birds. Dead. You don't see just hordes of buzzards and vultures coming Which in. Which would totally make sense, right? Mm-hmm. They would just come and peck yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean and we've established in most zombie mythologies they're pretty slow as well. Yeah. 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 Right. Don't don't be worried about the zombie attack, but be worried about the animal attack <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> 
Well, that was weird. Um, so let's have a, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it was a little dark. Let's have a lighthearted quiz segment to sort of bring you back up. I'm not thinking about vultures pecking out our entrails. Generally, when we think about uh, scary, not really horror movies, but weird, dark, gothic, Halloween-y, Halloween-y Hallow- yes, exactly, mm-hmm. Halloween-y movies, we think about Tim Burton, mm. film director, often, uh, often collaborating with uh, people such as Johnny Depp. Yes. Or, or Helena, Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter, yeah. etc. And uh, so I decided to put together a little Tim Burton quiz for a Halloween episode. Hooray. Huh. All right. It's just, it's, we'll start off with an easy one just to limber up. Um, perhaps the anomaly in his uh, filmography from a tonal perspective, this was Tim Burton's feature film directorial debut. Hmm. Oh, directorial. was... Uh, had a scene before. that when I was five years old when this came out in 1985 scared me. Oh, oh. Pee Wee's Big yes. Adventure. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes. Uh, yes. The, uh, I never watched it. Oh, okay. And the I part heard where he hitchhikes with and the, the, the trucker. trucker and the the the, the claymation eyeballs. Yes. <laughs> I kept rewinding it because I was like, oh, like just, it was so fun and I just can't believe. It. I mean, we saw yeah. it. In the, yeah, we saw it in the in the theaters, and I looked this up, and it was came out in 1985. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe it came out that long ago. I can't believe it was five when I saw it. Anyway, um, <laughs> after graduating from Cal Arts, uh, oh. where he was classmates with Brad Bird and John Lasseter, among other That's people. Right. Um, Tim Burton got his first job as a animator. Animator at Disney. At Disney. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, where he worked on The Fox and the Hound. Oh. And he also worked on the film that immediately followed it in 1985, generally considered one of the worst Disney animated Black movies. Black Cauldron. The Black Cauldron. Oh. Yes. We're buzzing in with these questions. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> sorry. But, but I'll give it to you anyway. What Colin. is The Black Cauldron? That's right. Cauldron. I, I thought we were just talking. talking. I, thought, I, thought I thought we were just, we were just free. Yeah. Just free association. Free association. <laughs> I say cat. You say dog. Michael Keaton played the title role <laughs> in three Burton-directed films. All right. One point for all three. I don't name all three. Name them. Oh. All right. Well, Colin. Oh. Batman, Beetlejuice. Yeah. And ah, uh, Karen. Karen. What's the second Batman. Oh, is forget it Batman re- Returns. It's uh, no, Batman, Batman and Robin. No, no that was the George no, that's, Clooney that's one. Four. Batman Returns. Oh, man, what it is, is Batman it? Returns? Batman Returns. Okay. Batman, Beetlejuice, and Batman Returns. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, I forgot about Beetlejuice. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's good. So that Disney job that Tim Burton had, he was actually fired uh, from from Disney, and the reason given was that he had wasted company time and money making a 27 minute short film that was too scary for kids to see. Oh. What was it called? Um, Colin? Was it called The Nightmare Before yeah. Christmas? It was not. Oh, that was my god. That was a good. Uh, Dana. Was it The Corpse Bride? It was not The Corpse Bride. Is. We're close. Frankenweenie? It was Frankenweenie. Oh. It was Frankenweenie. It is so, disturbing. So he made a half hour black and white film, like live action film about mm-hmm. Frankenweenie that uh, we know for Disney, and they were like, no, this is too scary for kids. This was the mid-80s, and they they fired him for doing that. Then, after he got big directing Beetlejuice and Batman, Disney released the Frankenweenie 27-minute short film. Um, And then, of course, you know, they patched everything up, and then he did the Frankenweenie 2012 stop-motion film with Disney. Yeah. Which one of these three frightening films did Tim Burton direct... Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, mm-hmm. The Nightmare Before Christmas, or Sleepy Hollow. Oh. Karen. 
Sleepy Hollow. It is Sleepy yeah. Hollow. Tim Burton did not direct oh, Nightmare Before Christmas. It. Mm. it was something that he had come up with. It was something that he had, in fact, worked on a little bit at Disney when he was there, but j- never went forward. Ah. Disney owned the film rights to it, and so that's why, after, again, after he got big, he went back to Disney and said, okay, you guys have the film rights to this this thing I was ah. like, working on. Let's do the movie. Got it. But because he was working on Batman Returns... He could not commit the time to actually direct it himself. Oh, no. But it's very him. It is yeah. very him. Tim Burton's It's, it's his thing. Yeah, he just yeah, did yeah. not. He was not the director. Tim Burton is credited, generally, as the person responsible for discovering and starting the movie and TV composition career of this musician, now a longtime collaborator. Colin. Oh. It must be Danny Elfman. It is Danny yeah. Elfman, yes. He was a member of the uh, uh, basically kind of well-known band Oingo Boingo, sure, yeah. um, but did not do very much scoring of yeah. films or TV before Tim Burton tapped him to do. That's cool. I will TV's interject a little bit of side trivia. Oingo Boingo is probably, I think, safe to say their biggest hit of all time is... Dead Man's Party, which fits ah. the theme of today's episode. Well, there we go. Oh, yeah. In the late 1990s, Tim Burton was attached to direct a Superman film that would have Hello. starred this well-known actor, oh, himself a big comic book fan. Dana. Uh, Dana? Oh, Nicholas yeah. Cage. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Yep. Get they in got, the cage. They got as far as, apparently, Warner Brothers spent $30 million on it, and they had were constructing sets and yeah. picking out locations, yeah. and then the and whole then thing got happened? killed. Just they just decided not like to do May. it. Yep. Tim Burton has directed two music videos. They are both by this American rock band. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I know, right? Would you say recent or class? It is recent. Karen. I'm going to guess Panic at the Disco. Uh, it is not Panic at the Disco. Or The Killers. But I bet they are. It is yeah. The Killers. Oh, it's wow. The killers. He directed two music videos by The Killers. Oh, wow. Yep. Cool. Karen pulled it out. I know. Look at that. Nice. Um, and finally, towards the end of the movie Beetlejuice, uh, the title character, again, played by Michael Keaton, transforms into a massive, grotesque carnival yeah. attraction with a merry-go-round tent on his head. Mm-hmm. What? Like a star on a Christmas tree is placed at the very top of the merry-go-round tent. Oh, man. So he has that hat on. It's pointy. Yeah, it's a pointy yeah. hat. And then at the top, at the very point of the hat, there's a little decoration. What is it? You can see it very clearly oh. up close in the film. Hmm. Um, something that would be, if you watched it now, you would recognize it immediately, but that people watching the film uh, in the late 80s would not have known hmm. what it was. Basically would not have known what it was. Karen. Is it a pair of scissors? It's not a pair of scissors. Nope. It's something like that, though. It's got to be an allusion or a reference to something. It is an allusion to something that would come later. (laughs) It is is the head of Helena Bonham Carter. It is actually the little tiny head of Jack Skellington. Oh. It's on top of Beetlejuice's. Yep. The character from The character from Nightmare Before Christmas, which would not come out for another few years. Oh, that's good. But yep, but was still something that Tim Burton had, you know, been working on. Nice. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com.
I have one last quiz for everybody. Uh, we haven't done a music round in a while, so right. I am bringing back a, a round of music. I will be playing short clips of songs that I need you guys to identify the artist, either if it's a group or a, a singer or a vocalist. And there is a theme. So there is all of these five clips are going to be tied together in mm-hmm. some sort of theme. I need you to guess the theme at the end. But the right. theme is not Halloween. The theme it's, is not it's, Halloween. It's, yeah. All right, you guys have your buzzers ready. Here we All go. Right. Here is the first clip. There's nothing where he used to lie. My inspiration has run dry. That's what's going on. Nothing's right. Natalie Imbruglia. Yeah, torn. Torn. Yes. Natalie Imbruglia. Song is torn. Mm-hmm. All right. Next song. Big black boots. Long brown hair. She's so sweet with her. Jet, are you going to be my girl? Yes. All right. All right. Third one. The Divinals. Wow. I don't think it's, is it yeah. the Divinals or is it it's Divinals? Divinals. Hmm. The Divinals. Oh, the, the Divinals. divinals. Okay. Now, is it uh, when I think about you, parentheses, I touch no, myself? Just, or is it just, I touch myself. Okay, I touch right. myself. Okay. All right. No, it's called Composition on a Summer's Morning. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> parentheses, the touch myself song. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. A classic. <laughs> These are big really songs. Well known oh, okay. songs. Yeah. yeah. All, out, no all out of love, right? Yeah. Uh, right, yeah, yeah, true. All, all out, out of love. love. Alright. I'm just for the theme. I'm trying to yeah. Yeah. Last one. All Here right. we go. Anytime I need to see a face, it just close my eyes and I'm taken to a place where your grist don't mind. I'm a gentle feeling. Take up shelter in the face of my spine. Shit like a chicken cherry cola. I don't need to try to explain that it's so don't tired. And if it happens again, I'ma move so silently to the arms and the lips and the face of the human cannibal that I need to. I want you. Ooh, I want you. I don't know if I need you. 
Dana. Savage Garden. Savage Garden. Correct. All right. Do we know the theme? Yes. I think Dana knows. Oh, really? I don't. I, I'm well, guessing something like okay. national origin. Yes. I'm going to guess like they're all from the same country, but that's uh, Sweden. I don't no. know. I, no, that doesn't fit. I don't yeah. know. Australia. Oh, oh yeah. yep. Really? They're all Australian. Australia. Oh, wow. There was the Divinals, uh-huh. Savage Garden, uh, Jet, Natalie and Bruglia. Okay. And Air Supply. Ah, I did not know Air Supply or Divinals were Australian. There you go. Very good. Wow. Dana knows her music. Actually, Dana knows her Savage Garden, too. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of know a lot about Savage Garden. (laughs) Check out my fan Check out my GeoCities page. (laughs) Which is real, by the way. We're not kidding. (laughs) It really did happen. Are men at work actually from Australia? Yes. Or did they just... Oh, they are? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I obviously didn't go for the easy route, like... Kylie Minogue. Actually, you're right. Yeah, Kylie Minogue is really associated with Australia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, good job, everybody. And that's our show. Uh, Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. I hope you learn a lot about Tim Burton, about Halloween costumes, about zombies and animals, and also the theremin. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com and check us out at Twitter and Facebook at goodjobbrain or slash goodjobbrain and we'll see you guys next week bye Bye. say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill 